I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is gonna feel real good, alright? Most dope. Everybody, please put a thumb in the air. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That is right, BSH Radio. I'm pretty sure we're live right now on Wildfire. Uh, that's pretty great, everybody. We're live. Uh, take it easy. You should see everybody in here actually does the like knock-knock pantomime when that song comes on. <laughs> it's impossible it's, not to get super pumped for it's, that song. It's a lot of fun, as was an actual Flyers victory. You saw that. They won a game and scored in the first period. That was awesome as well. My name is Bill Matz. I am your director of fun and games for the evening. This is a Halloween edition of BSH Radio. Woo! And coming at you is my spooky starting lineup, starting with Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. This is the second week in a row I've wooed. I am a woo girl. <laughs> woo girl, I told you. I need Who to get a you? I don't even know. Kelly Hinkle's the real woo girl with the, with the cat ears. I am wearing tiny pink cat ears. It's <laughs> happening. Last but not least, the man with observations himself. Basically writes the show for me with his observations, Charlie O'Connor. It's amazing how when you don't give up five goals in a game, you win. It's re- The Flyers, I've realized, they're going to score four. So they just have to not <laughs> give up five. That's all. That's a all. Good strategy. It is a bold strategy. All they have to do is not give up five, and they're actually pretty good when they do that. Uh, we're ten games into the season. We've had mixed returns. Uh, the offense is good. The defense is bad. The power play is good. The penalty, the penalty kill is bad. I, I just what? I guess we're just going to start with what is this team? Ten games in, you know, we're almost an eighth of the way through the season, right? My math's right there, right, Charlie? Yeah, yeah, close. Okay, what do we think this team is? I'll, I'll start. Um, I think that they are a mediocre team. They're, they're improved from last year where they were a, an overreaching mediocre team. They made some changes, but they're not quite there yet. Okay. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, what we're looking at this year, different from last year, is a mediocre team that is on the edge of being better than a mediocre team. So that's that's pretty fun. So we might have to work through a little bit this year, but... The good news is we know it's only up from here, so that's fun. Yeah, I mostly agree with uh, with what Kelly just said. Uh, just in terms of them, it's it's tough to say that a team that team that's four or five and one in their first ten games is anything other than mediocre right now. But they're doing this without their best defenseman for six of the games, and we'll talk about that later in the show. Um, <laughs> With another one of their better defensemen for the entirety of the 10 games, who should be back soon, and then one of their most underrated forwards for a significant portion of the game. So you're looking at them maybe being mediocre now. And even even then, like there are numbers that, that speak to the Flyers maybe being better than their record at this point. But you have to look at it and say that with the players that are coming back in the lineup, this team could be good. I don't think they will be great, but they could be good. That's exactly how I feel. Uh, this is a team that just has to... They're adjusting. Uh, there's some new pieces. It's uh, They're just trying to figure out who they are identity-wise. Uh, they finally have the quote-unquote top line intact. Uh, Braden Shen seems to have his legs going again, and he, Simmons, and Giroux are starting to figure it back out. And you know The bottom six coming together, Raffles coming back eventually. The blue line with, with Gudis back is, is starting to figure things out out even though it's you know some of the guys are just an absolute mess but a a part of it that goes into it with the with the mixed returns is this ridiculous schedule Mm. 10 games in the season's 
first 17 days, we're doing the show on Monday because this is the only opportunity we have to do the show. There's This is their second two-day break of the season. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, so I think that weighs into it. Like we were talking about uh, how they just look gassed at the end of the Carolina game. Well, yeah. It's their 10th game in 17 days. I mean, I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Charlie is nearing death at this point. Charlie just looks <laughs> like asleep. <laughs> no sleep for you, Charlie. Charlie just looks like he wants to sleep. And like they start with the West Coast trip. They've, you know, they've had, they had a couple home games in a row, but there just seemed to be an odd amount of like back-to-backs. The second, the like a second, crazy amount of back to back. With the second game being an away game, so you had to like leave that night to get to the rink the next day and playing but, rested teams for the most part. Uh, nobody, I don't think, has had uh, a schedule like the Flyers have because I'd have to look at all the schedules. But it's tough for me to imagine anybody having a tougher one. Like even last night's game, like Carolina is not a great team. We we everybody knows this, but the schedule couldn't have been set up worse for the Flyers. They not only were, it was the last game of a 5-7, and seven, which is nuts already. Yikes. Coming off of, it was the second game of a back-to-back. This is AHL. In a 5-7. Yeah, it's crazy. And the first game of the back-to-back was against Pittsburgh. Like, obviously <laughs> you're going to empty the tank out against Pittsburgh because it's Pittsburgh. Not only are they your rival, they also play a run-and-gun game, so you're going to have to be skating like crazy to play against mm-hmm. them. And then you get on a plane and fly to another city, and you don't even get a full 24 hours because it's a 7 p.m. to 5 p.m. Like, the, Nobody wants to play at 5 p.m. The fact that they won that mm-hmm. game and actually didn't get blown out, like that was one of those games where I was thinking, okay, the only way they're winning this is if the goaltending steals it. And that, that's not possible <laughs> so far this year. But the fact that they won that game and actually looked pretty good doing it was amazing. Not giving up five is the goaltending stealing it for this team right now. Tempered expectations. That was a great game from Neuvert last night because he played two periods. So could we say, like, could we reasonably say that this is a good team that's just battling a tough schedule? I think the schedule weighs into it. I think not having a complete lineup, this is the NHL. There's You're also never going to have a complete lineup. I think, and just, I think there are a lot of factors. This team, I do think, at this in the second half of the season, will be better because historically, that's who some of these guys are. And you're going to have a guy like Provorov figure things out between now and then. Konechny will figure things out between now and then. The coach will figure out what he wants to do between now and then with this lineup. We're uh, we're going Hopefully. to we're going to talk about what the hell are you doing, Dave Axel, <laughs> at a certain point. Kelly's favorite segment, but. With the schedule the way it is, he's just trying to get his team through it right now. Yeah, that's the thing. It's kind of hard to assess what this team is at this point, right? Because we don't really know. We're looking at a team that's not the full lineup. We're looking at a team that's playing a crazy schedule. So we might not really know what we're looking at until we get to, like, January, really. Which is fair. Yeah. At at least, I would think, until the end of November, I think we might have a better idea. But even then, look at last year. The end of November last year, the Flyers looked awful, and they (laughs) went on a run and were great. They got Gossis Baird midway through November, and then they started turning the possession game around. And then by February and March, they looked really good. But I, I would say, in all honesty, I would say I think they are a good team. I think... If you, if you look at the numbers, right now they have a 51.32 score just to Corsi, which is 10th in the league, which is good. It's not great. I mean, it's not, we're not talking like, you know, LA, San Jose, Washington levels, but it's, it's good. But nobody expected those yeah. teams are legitimate cup contenders. Yeah. Like, and it, nobody thought the Flyers were that. They've been driving play. And what you've seen is the reason, the two reasons why they're not winning games. Number one is because the goaltending's been a wreck. Number two is because they're giving up quality chances and what has been found is that generally speaking winning the shot attempts battle overall is more predictive of future success than winning the quality chances battle like quality chances and you're looking at that it's great to describe what happened it's not very predictive of what's going to happen so the fact the flyers are carrying play on the whole bodes well for what they're going to do in the future because most likely these breakdowns are not going to continue. That's the thing... Uh, one second, Steph. That's the thing about... the. Uh, I thought you were about to say something. <clears throat> I about was. The pre- about the predictive... Always. ...is that I don't... <laughs> like, we talk about repeatable processes and how it's just a breakdown leading to scoring chances against... I think Andrew McDonald turning the puck over in the middle of the ice is a repeatable process. Absolutely. So those things will continue to happen. Now, we expect him to come out of the lineup very shortly. Do we, though? Uh, mm. He has to. We will get into it. Uh, be- <laughs> go ahead, Steph. Well, yeah, go ahead. Do your thing. 
Oh, I was going to ask Charlie to explain the difference between the two different shot attempts, but we're past it now. So okay. no, I, I I can I can go in. So like Corsi is basically just raw shot attempts. So everybody, so you know, shots on goal, unblock shots, and then uh, and then block shots, and then expected goals, which is kind of gaining more um, more prevalence in the stats stats community. It's basically just those metrics, but everything's weighted for quality. So like let's say that a shot in the slot is worth like one point two five shot attempts, and then a shot from the point is worth like point two five because it doesn't have that high of a likelihood of being a goal. So that metric is a better way to describe like okay, yeah, you might have shot the other team 30 to 20 but if you look at the overall quality of the shots you really didn't outshoot shoot them much at all because your shots didn't have a high likelihood of going in the net and then of course they win a game against carolina with a bunch of shots that sh- probably shouldn't have gone in the yeah, net well, th- thank you cam Ward. yeah thank you cam Ward. <laughs> uh before we get into the whole goalie thing because man i don't know what's going on there uh, i said on twitter the other night that uh, the Sixers crowd for their home opener kind of showed up uh, Flyers crowds of late. I feel like the center's been like kind of a, uh, a black hole. I feel like uh, it's not a very lively crowd there at all over the last several seasons. I think it's an ongoing problem. Uh, you guys were all at the game on Saturday against yeah, the Penguins. We were. This is a big one. Saturday night against the Penguins. How was it in the building? Mm-hmm. You know, I I actually agree with you on the whole. Um, I think the crowd shows up from time to time, usually big games. Wasn't terrible on Saturday. Um, we had a, a a lovely British girl with us who was very into the game. Yeah. Um, I she, had a, she was probably the the most lively out of our, our section. I yeah. would say there's just a a lot of it's it's fairly silent and it's it's like a weird thing it's not, not a loud building no and it used to be mm-hmm. and this was a penguins game like i yeah. definitely the last game of the season last year like that place was rocking it was not that's i have been there for some big games where the place was absolutely electric yeah, yeah. but on the whole no it definitely comes alive in the playoffs for sure it can but regular season on the whole Flyers games at this point, I would say are pretty disappointing as far as crowd. Uh, I, I would goes. absolutely say the uh, the once considered most intimidating fans in hockey, unless it's that guy we've all seen the video just screaming at Andrew McDonald, like give back some money in the middle of the game. Like uh, there really isn't. I, I don't know. I just have an issue with <clears throat> with what goes on in that building for home games. I don't think there's much home ice advantage there. Yeah, it's- but after forty years without a cup. You know, fans are kind of just sitting there waiting, like with their arms crossed. I don't. I mean, I, done, I know, I know that that's a sticking point for you and Pittsburgh, but I don't think that people go in thinking that all right, well, it's forty years, and I need to see something right now. That's not really why you go to a game. You want to see a win. I can see uh, like a collection of longtime season ticket holders because that building is so many season ticket holders. Sure, collectively, kind of with their arms crossed, like. Here we go. Like, yeah, but the thing is, they, they do consistently put a good product on the ice. The last Definitely. couple of years have been rough, but we're pretty spoiled as far as hockey fans go, and so there's no real reason yeah. why we shouldn't be. I keep hearing that, too. You know, the Flyers have been to, they've played, in my lifetime, 10 Stanley Cup Finals games. All they've right. lost eight of them. I don't think that's been a consistently good product. We always make the playoffs, Bill. Oh, yeah, great. So does, so does Detroit. <laughs> I'm so sick of this argument it. from you. I'm just, I'm just, that's an issue for me. I, I can see that. That's not you a quality, and, you and, never winning is not a quality product to me. Okay, the only one team wins per year. Um, and for 40 years, they haven't been that one team. But they, anyway, I start, we, did, we did see a solid drunk man falling down the stairs and then getting into a fight so yeah awesome. i had a wager with a well-meaning penguins fan so i was very into the game a well-meaning penguins yeah. fan Thoroughly. he needs that money to get himself the hell out of pittsburgh <laughs> i'm glad he won so there can at least be one less pittsburgh resident it's worse than that yeah uh, <laughs> oh dear it's a family show stephanie <laughs> i know oh, well, no i'm saying he doesn't live in pittsburgh <laughs> all right now anyway these goaltenders they are uh, hashtag not good. See, I'm not. I'm have, just going to stop you right here. Yep. Because that's not true. They're not playing well. They're not getting enough time to play well. They're not necessarily playing poorly. But you also have to look at who they have in front of them. This has been the same story for the past few years. You can't get any kind of rhythm if you're getting pulled after a period or maybe after two periods and then starting the next three games after you're not supposed to play 
in that one that the other guy started. Like, this is not true that they're bad. Stopping less than ninety percent of your shots is bad. I don't care how the I don't care how high quality the scoring chances are. Who, other I don't than, care who's in front other of than you. Neuvert, the night yesterday, the last game. Which one of them started and finished a game last? None of they're playing poorly. That's why. Okay, they're getting how about, how about the defense? They're allowing goals. How about the defense? I understand the defense is not good. But do you? Yeah. But, but you're doing, putting it on the goalies anyway. I'm putting... Okay. Why not just play with an empty net then? Well, because that's just poor execution. Like if the goalies don't matter, if nothing is ever the goalies' fault... I'm not saying no, it's not no, the goalies' no, 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 fault. No, no, no. I'm saying that they're not bad. You're taking They're it playing bad. He, he, I, I, think, I think there's a big difference between the goalies are bad and the goalies are playing bad. And I think you guys both hinted at that. Are they playing bad? I think they are not. I, I, think, I think they are playing poorly. I, I think you can, you can definitely say that a couple goals a night are pretty much unstoppable. But then there's always a couple goals a night that are stoppable and they're not stopping them and we tend But to- is there any goalie that stops every stoppable shot in well, this league? No, but the the way you the difference between a good goalie and a great goalie is that he stops one more of those shots a night than a bad goalie. So okay. that that is and the thing is that I don't think Mason and Neuver are bad goalies. Like they're good. They're just playing bad and why that is, I'm not sure. Whether it's just a bad run and they just happen to be having a bad run at the same time, the defense isn't helping because they are facing a lot of high-quality shots. It makes it harder to get into rhythm. And I think that Hackstall is probably pulling them a little bit too soon. I, I'm not sure I would have pulled Mason in the Pittsburgh game after the first okay, period. Can, that can we actually talk about that for a sec? Because um, I was actually running down to let stuff into the building. And by late. the time I left Surprise. my seat... It was two to nothing, and by the time I got to the door where she was, it was three to two. So I actually missed all of those goals. Were they bad goals? So the first goal was a very good shot by Sidney Crosby. Okay, but it was short side, and you expect your goalie to seal off the short side on a rush. That's fair, I think. The second goal was impossible to stop because it was Sidney Crosby in the low slot on the power play, and you're not stopping Sidney Crosby in the low slot on the power play. And then the third goal was behind the net, and Cullen basically beat Mason to the far to the far post on a wraparound, and that's another one. We're like, it's not easy, but. Neuvert on Sunday faced a similar thing and made a save. So, like, it's hard, but you got to make it. Now, as I said, doesn't mean the goalies are bad, but I agree with Bill that you can't say that a, that when goalies are coming in below 90% save percentage, you can't just say, oh, well, they're getting unlucky or, oh, they're they're facing high quality. Just like, no, they can play better. And, and if you talk to them, they agree they can play better. It just You're just hoping that this is them on a bad luck run or a bad run of them just, you know, having some technical issues and they're working them out and not the Flyers running into like a Dallas situation, not not the Cowboys, but the Stars where they had two goalies and they both were terrible last year and they were a really good team, but they had two goalies that were terrible and they lost in the second round because of that. Steve Mason is 44th in the league in save percentage. Michael Neuvert is 51st. That's not good. I don't care how bad the defense is in front of them. That's awful. You need to stop a greater percentage of the shots than they are. And that's all there is to it. So I think, and we kind of talked about this briefly before the show, I think that the issue that I have is that, in my opinion, in this town, we have a tendency to hang bad team performance and strings of losses on the goaltender every time. Goaltender, yeah, that's true. Drew gets a ridiculous amount of it, too. (laughs) But, I mean, even before Mason and Neuverth, before these were the guys, I feel like, it's always, immediately, the first guy that gets blamed is the goalie. And it's not always the goalie's fault. It definitely is not always the goalie's fault. And but I feel like there's a lot wrong with this team, particularly on the back end, that are a greater contributor to what we're seeing than the goaltending. If the defense was tighter, maybe Mason and Neuverth would be stopping more shots. I just uh, 878 and 861. No, that's, that's bad. That's awful. I'm not going to argue with Most that. Most goalies bad. have a like exponentially better save percentage when the team in front of them only has four players on the ice. But I don't know that I've watched a game this year that I'm ready to hang on a goaltender. That's true. With like that is not I'm not I've not seen a game where I've said we lost that game because of Steve Mason. See, I I would say. I would say they lost, and this is just my opinion, I would say they lost both the Arizona game and the Pittsburgh game because of the goaltending. Because I think that in both in both games, if your offense scores four goals, 
that you should win. And in both games, the goalies gave up multiple shots that probably should have been stopped. I mean, speaking specifically to the Arizona game, if Mason makes the save on Ryan White, there's a good chance that game goes to overtime. Yeah, Ryan White scored on you. Like, that's pretty inexcusable from the side of the net. (laughs) Like, Ryan White. I mean, it's not it's not great. No, it's not good. It's, in fact, bad. And that's why I'm saying they're bad, because they're playing bad right now. I'm not saying Steve Mason's tenure here has been poor. He's been pretty good the whole time he's been here. But this season, bad. It's just like the bad start last year. And unfortunately, they don't have Neuvert to bail them out like they did last year, because he sucks even worse this year. <laughs> What a time to be alive! No, you you go from zero to a hundred in like light speed. Like let's, it's been ten games. I know that it's an just under an eighth of the season, but it's been ten games on an insane schedule. They still don't really have a defense. You you gotta stick it out. There's nothing they can do. It's not like they're gonna call up Lion or uh, uh, Stolars. Stolars, yeah, I couldn't. Um, I have seen people. On the line, saying that we should be bringing up Anthony Stolarz as if that's going to solve any problem. I, I was just can't with real this fan close. base sometimes. I was real close to tweeting, bring back Rob Zepp uh, oh, last night. Bill. And then I was just like, I'm too hungover to deal with the repercussions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I took a little nap. I felt better. It was, but He was just a little cranky. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, happens to the best of us. But I, I do think we can blame the defense for a lot of it because... You know, these guys, most of them are not good. I blame the goalies, them for all of the problems. The goalies life, need to be better. They, no, they haven't played well well, at the all. The whole team needs to be better. Sure, if, we're, sure. if we're like, if we're really being honest here, it's everyone. <laughs> and, and not just the team, but also the coaching. But so there's, there's a whole lot of a whole lot of things happening. There is one guy I think that deserves, I don't know, ninety percent of the blame. Mm, I wonder who <laughs> you're talking about. A little about. too far, but I appreciate the sentence. Eighty-seven percent. Eighty-seven. We'll give him the Crosby. Sixty-nine percent. Sixty. We'll give him the Crosby percent of the blame. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, I hate myself a little. And it's Andrew McDonald. Yeah. This guy. I was anybody shocked to hear that? Was this was this a shocking revelation? After the Arizona game, in which he actually who Andrew McDonald, I bet has never been benched after scoring a goal before. But he was so bad despite the goal. Yeah, I don't want to. I, mean, I don't want to jump ahead. That was here. just the hockey guys laughing at he us, Let, letting him score a goal at yeah. that disaster of a game. He yeah. didn't play against the Penguins, and then they lost. So of course, yeah, I don't. Like I said, I don't want to get ahead, but I don't it's, understand how you lose of, to the Penguins and you say to yourself, "How do I solve this problem?" I know. I'll put Andrew McDonald back into the lineup. That'll fix everything. And then, of course, we won that game. So now he's fucking going to be here forever. I just know it. We're ne- never going to get it wrong. It, no, it's, it's, oh. going, it's going to be like this for the rest of this all This is time. our life now. And I wanted to ask, are we piling on Andrew McDonald because we hate no. his contract and we hate what trading for him and signing him represented? No. And the fact that we don't have anyone better? Or is this deserved? No, it's deserved. <laughs> Every bit of it. He's very bad at hockey. Why is he still in the lineup? So, well, well, my my response to the first question is, if he was playing well, or at least better, the contract wouldn't come up. It's the fact that he's playing like shit, and then the contract on top of that, yeah. Yeah. that handicaps the whole team for the foreseeable future. Hey, you be just, careful. snowballs. You be careful with your criticism. Where the Flyers might come down here and just turn off this show. Oh shit, you're right. It's it's also the fact too that <laughs> I respect all of the decisions they've made regarding their lineup. <laughs> but it's also the fact too, especially and this is speaking specifically to the internet community, like the entire Flyers internet community hated the trade and then hated the signing. And then we've all been proven right. So that just adds to it because it's like <clears throat> Not only don't ever prove an internet person. Yeah, seriously. Right. Exactly. Like that's a bad move like, on like your not part. only has he not been good, not only has the contract been bad, like everybody saw it coming, which just angers yeah. us even more because it's like we don't get paid for this. You guys do. How did you guys not know this guy was terrible? But it's not even like he's just bad. Like Nick Schultz is bad. AMAC is like dramatically bad. He's bad in like a huge dramatic way falling on the ice he's a competitive disadvantage yes, he makes the yes. team worse when he's on the ice he's not just not good he's uh, actively bad that's been the big thing because schultz the the difference between schultz and mcdonald is that when schultz 
Schultz is, I think I've said this on, on the show before, he's like a death by a thousand cuts guy. You know, he's he's not going to make plays, but he's not rarely actively screws up. Whereas McDonald is the death by a thousand cuts guy in addition to actively screwing up. Like everything that Schultz is not that good at, which is, you know, neutral zone coverage, actively being good in the offensive zone. Things like, that require like, skill. Yeah, like McDonald, <laughs> McDonald's not, not really that good at those either. Except Schultz doesn't give you the backbreaking turnovers that McDonald gives you in addition to being bad at all those little things. It's like McDonald doesn't comprehend his limitations. Like Nick Schultz gets the puck deep in his own zone and just says, yeah, I have to bank this high off the glass because I'm not making a good good exit pass. And McDonald just, yeah, I'm going to throw it in the front of the net because Ghost does it all the time. Well, I, 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 I'm pretty sure he thinks Anthony Duclair is a member of the Flyers because of that pass. That you remember the pass in the first period where he had the puck, he's like backing into the zone and he just, he decides. Oh, he was backing in, that's weird. He decides, to try, <laughs> he decides to try to throw it to Simmons and it literally is like tape to tape pass to Duclair who goes in for a breakaway. That's the thing, like he plays hockey like someone playing NHL 16 who's never played hockey before. Like, I don't know what he's doing most of the time. He's a professional hockey player. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a defenseman back into his own zone the way that he does. It's appalling. I just don't understand. I don't understand. I'm, I'm actually concerned that his bad habits are starting to rub off on other members of the defense. Like, I've noticed that Ghost is playing a lot less aggressively. Maybe it's just me and it's totally the eye test, but... I, I've noticed that he's a little bit less aggressive. And he might be worried me. because he's anchored to a yeah. crappy yeah, part, partner. It scares and he, the yeah. hell yeah. out of me. I, I think part of it is you, when you're in the neutral zone, a lot of times you have to hold a line, especially when you're on the forge, when you're in the, your neutral zone four check. Like everybody holds a line as the team's moving up. And if the guy beside you in the line is backing up, you just kind of assume, okay, I guess I got to back up too. I guess mm. that's what we're doing. And I think that causes a lot of it. So no, I, I don't think Ghost is getting you know his mind circuits rerouted to play like Andrew McDonald, but playing next to a guy like that does have an effect on the way you. Play. And I feel yeah. like you do My see an issue when when there is a gap that big between the two defensemen, not even between the guys they're guarding. Teams slip in trailers all the time on this team in that gap, and all of a sudden have a three on two when there didn't need to be one. McDonald or whoever, because there's it's not just McDonald. No, no. it's not just him playing poorly on the back end. No, but like there, there's just odd man rushes when there don't need to be because you've created open ice where they're it. It's you're at even strength. They don't have more guys on the ice, but somehow they do because you're so deep in the zone and so far away from your partner. I, I'm very frustrated by the way this team plays defense. Just the, the mindset. <laughs> you and all of us. Uh, yeah. But so it's it's come down to this. Michael Delzato, there's light at the end of the tunnel. He is returning. He was the Flyers' best defenseman all year until his injury last year. Did anyone ever think when we got Michael Delzato that he would be like the savior of our team? It just no. makes me no. laugh sometimes. It I makes thought, me laugh a lot. I thought he was going to come here, bounce back a bit, and we yeah. were going to flip him for, 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 for a third round pick. And it would be like, Hextall, good job. Yep. And no, no, he's actually yeah. he's actually one of the major pieces on this team. So somebody has to come out of the lineup. It absolutely has to be Andrew McDonald, right? I, I'm I'm preparing myself for the worst just because I don't <laughs> want to be devastated if McDonald stays in. But it it just it makes too much sense, and not just from a my God, this guy is awful, which is all we're thinking. But it just makes too much sense from a roster management standpoint because if you look at it like this. Brandon Manning is not coming out of this lineup, and I, I I would be blown away if he if he comes out of this lineup just because I've interviewed the players and to a man they have praised the hell out of the guy. Mm. And like if you're the coach and you have Jake Voracek saying, yeah, Brandon Manning's been like one of our two best defensemen in, so far this year. How do you go to Jake Voracek and say, oh, by the way, Brandon Manning's out out of the lineup tonight? Like it doesn't stick well with the leadership. So I don't think Manning is going out. So if Manning's in the lineup then you're basically left with Schultz and McDonald, and Hextall's not in the business of losing guys for free. If he sends down Schultz, he might lose him for free on waivers. It's maybe not a great chance, but it's it, there's a chance. You know, maybe talking like 20-30% chance somebody grabs him thinking like, oh, he's, he's a stabilizing veteran, why not? I can trust this guy. No one's picking up McDonald. No one. Like, no one is taking on that contract. So if they want to keep as much blue line depth as they possibly can, 
The smart move here is to send McDonald down to the AHL, park him down there in case somebody gets hurt and you can call him back up whenever, use Schultz as the seven, and then bring Delzato back in. Like, that's the smart move. Now, whether they do it, I hope so, because I just... Like what? What's the alternative? You send down Ghost and you sell it to the fans that like, oh, he needs oh my, work. Oh like, that, no, that no, was you can't thing. do like, this. I just thought of that as you were talking, and I started to get heart palpitations. Like, I can't. He's waiver exempt, right? Yeah, I mean, they could send him down. It would just be insane. Uh, that would I I I, 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 I like we're talking arson. I can't. That, that's, yeah. that's my. That, those are the only words they, that can come out of my mouth right this now. This show would transform into yelling about. Sports part two. Yeah, if they send out, and, and I would need a lawyer. There's, <laughs> I can't say there's absolutely no way because crazy stuff happens all the time. But there's absolutely no way they send down ghosts. <laughs> there is zero. There is a zero percent chance. I, I, I agree, but I'm just trying to think of like yeah, any, yeah, yeah, any yeah. alternatives to them not sending down McDonald. The only other alternative is if they keep eight defensemen. But in that case, then they got to send down one of Lubimoff, Cousins, or Vandeveldi, and for different reasons I don't think any of those guys are getting sent down for, for vastly different reasons. yeah for vastly different reasons <laughs> for, for, for each of them but yeah yeah um could it be and this is one name that we don't have on on the sheet at all Mark Streit what's his deal I mean I've been saying for for a very long time now that he is a, a corpse of himself and I, I know that he had his whole penis falling off incident um but he's not good he's he's gotten a bit better i mean he he looked really bad at the start of the year yep. yeah and then he got better although i will say that i mean he then he played with gudis and when you put guys with gudis they just start looking okay again and now he's back with Provorov, and now he's back to not looking that good again so I, no, I don't think they're going to do any i don't think they're going to like bench strike mm. i'm sure they would trade him but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they could find anybody, especially this early in the season. Here's no. a here's a two part question. One, why was Manning Provorov broken up? And two, why did you put Provorov back with Strite, a pairing that just didn't work? They were bad together for the same reasons. McDonald is back in the lineup. Yeah, Dave Hackstall, what are you doing? <laughs> I I I can't. I can't comprehend. Of all the you, there was one pairing that just did not work this year, and it was Proverover straight. And you found that out almost immediately. Yeah. How do you go back to it? As Manning has been a steadying force, as Charlie said. Even like a guy like Jake Voracek, he's one of our two best defensemen. Uh, ah, mm. how is this a thing? <laughs> That's my reaction to a lot of things. <laughs> I don't understand. I mean. Charlie, is there something like in the numbers that we're not seeing with these guys? I, that, I always would have like maybe just something I don't see. That's the thing. Like, okay, I'm eye test watching these games and they look like crap. Am I missing something? <laughs> I, I haven't looked at the pairing numbers okay. with Strite and Provo. My guess is that they're not as bad as we think they are, just because Provorov's numbers at the start of the year were were fine, mm-hmm. and he was mostly with Strite. So my guess is they they're okay. I do agree that it, it didn't pass the eye test. You know, that the, they just seemed like they were a mess. Provorov has worse games with Strite on the other side. I, I do think this is just a matter of him, you know, juggling lines and juggling combinations. And then he's stuck with that being the only thing that he can juggle because he's Taxel seemingly dead set on this idea of, okay, well, Ghost has to be with one, with, with McDonald. Or when McDonald's out of the lineup, Ghost has to be with Schultz. We need our so best so, player with our worst yeah, player. Yeah, so, so like that's, and I, I, in all honesty, I do think that might be part of the thinking is that. Ghost is our most dynamic defenseman. I'm gonna have you. Know, he's gonna have to carry this guy. Andrew McDonald can't spell dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's got to wow. be because that, that's the only yeah, thing I can think of. It's it's like such terrible thinking. It's like we have a dynamic, exciting offensive defenseman. Let's handicap him as much as we possibly <laughs> can. It, I mean, with it's an ba- absolute it's for anchor. Him. It's In, bad for him, no but question. he's not even. But Ghost isn't even that great defensively, so it's not really great for the team either. It doesn't make any uh, sense. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> the Flyers, like I said at the start of the show, the offense, the scoring has been good. Thirty-six goals, most in the NHL. Uh, the defense has been bad. Thirty-eight allowed, most in the NHL. How much of the defense? <laughs> That's, isn't, it, isn't that great? Like, if they were to just not give up more goals than everybody, they'd have a good record. <laughs> All you have to do is not give up the most. <laughs> this, this 
is big. <laughs> True. <laughs> how much of the defensive uh, breakdowns, how much of it is a should be on the forward shoulders as opposed to blaming everything on the six defensemen, mostly Andrew McDonald? Truthfully, uh, I don't think a lot. And I really don't. I have to break down most of the goals for you know for observations and whatnot just because I have to write about it. And very rarely do I look at a goal like a goals against play and say, "Man, the, like Drew really screwed up on that one," or "Wow, the back check was slow." Like it's mostly the defense. It's mostly the defense blowing assignments. It's mostly the defense screening the goalies. Like it's that's what's causing most of these goals. Now, one thing I will say is that prior to the Pittsburgh game. The four check in the offensive zone wasn't that good, and that was hurting the defense because they were getting, they were sending all these guys in deep to retrieve pucks. They weren't retrieving pucks, and then the other team was going back the other way with speed against the defense. Yeah, Yeah, so like in that sense, you could blame the fours a little bit because the four check wasn't working the way it should. But in the defensive zone, no, most of the problems are the defense. I, I don't think the fours have a lot, have to shoulder a lot of the blame in the defensive zone. The defense is just a mess in terms of coverages. And that's kind of what I would say, too. I mean, the, the offense is already being asked to jump in to, to make up for the lack of defense from the defensive pairings. So th- there's only so much you can ask them to do. They can't. There's a reason that there's multiple positions and you, know, you can't ask a forward to play all three. We do have some bright spots on the blue line, guys. I know it's tough because we've just spent, we? we've just spent basically 35 minutes crushing the blue line. <laughs> but uh, we alluded to it at the beginning of the show, Radko Gudis, since he's come back from his, uh, from his little, his, his little time out. <laughs> his little vacation. His, his little, you know, his, his little, his little. He had to sit in the corner yeah, for a minute. It's exactly. Right. Uh, he's been really good. He is almost a complete defenseman. I have been calling him a goon for a very long time, and I'm I'm impressed by what I'm seeing. Now he is skilled, and I, I've always admitted that as well. But th- this is like a, a brand new guy, and I kind of love it. I kind of <laughs> like I kind of love it. It's a it's a tweet I had that people seem to appreciate, so I'm going to say it again. Watching him attack uh, like a, a forward stick while he's rushing at him you know along the boards and stripping the puck away it's a lot like watching happy gilmore when he was restraining himself from throwing the club <laughs> and like you know bonging beers <laughs> like it's it's like a little part of his soul is broken but he's like i got to not get suspended and it's kind of working out for him i i hate to say cuz i love the goony side of him it's what makes him my favorite player in the team but he looks really good, even though, like we thought, his role was crushing people in the corner, and he's not doing that, and he still looks good. Yeah, I think right now he's like low key our best defenseman. Definitely. I mean, that's probably not going to last, but right now he's our best defenseman, which is just utter madness. But it's it's kind of fun. I'd like to highlight because that play still just sticks in my head. The the keep ins it was that he incredible had on that power that play was, goal. That was one of the best defensive plays by a Flyers defense I've ever seen. And it, mm-hmm. it was just so you watch it live and you're like, "There's no way he kept that in." Yeah. He kept it in three times, and it was three different ways. Like the first time, he does like a sliding tackle against the boards. Then he gloves it. Then he stick checks a guy. <laughs> like he stopped the puck from going out of zone three times. And by the time the third time happened, all the Penguins are way up ice, and why wouldn't they be? Like, you would think you're going to get it out yeah. at least once. I was at a Halloween party on a Saturday night, and we had the game on, and, like, a couple people were in the living room watching the game. And then, like, one by one, like, we just keep yelling at people in the kitchen and outside, like, yo, you got to come in and see this. You're not, and, like, we just kept rewinding it on DVR. We're like, people would be like, that didn't happen. Like, ah, yeah, it did. Well, no, yes. it was I really mean, good. It's the just, building got loud for that. Yeah. It was so crazy that when they challenged the goal, we all assumed that's what they were looking at because it was like, no way he kept that in the whole time. And it wasn't even that they were looking at No, it was the initial, yeah. it was the, the initial entry. entry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we didn't know that. And that's the, the it took a sec. That's yeah. the part when people yell about, uh, challenging instant yes i do believe there should be a time limit on it when when a a whole bunch of other things happen and then you you know challenge something that happened well before that 45 minutes ago i'm challenging that zone entry that's absolutely silly when you score on an offsides off the rush sure take that away but 
there needs to be some kind of time limit mm-hmm. or like you had possession and could have exited it and you let Radko Guda stop you three times. You shouldn't yeah, you, even you be allowed just, to challenge. You, just, you shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be allowed to yeah. challenge this play. <laughs> but that was incredible. And he's just looked really good. And we spoke about it a minute ago. Brandon Manning, uh, two goals, five assists. Guess who has the exact same numbers? Please tell me. Shane Gostas Bear. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> and Brandon Manning doesn't play on the power play. He he has a shorthanded goal. Brandon Manning has yeah, a that was shorthanded fun. goal. <laughs> what where did this guy come from? He had like 250 penalty minute seasons in the AHL. I thought he was a worse Radko Gudis. And I yeah. wanted to see him. Like I thought, okay, this is a guy I want to see get a shot. Thinking he's a sixth defenseman. He might end up being that, but right now he looks like more. I don't have a great answer for that because I'm I'm completely shocked that this is happening. Was he training with Provorov on Russian mountains this summer? Like what what did he do? I, I don't. You know what? The Charlie ama- the evaluator is speechless in the, terms the amazing of Brandon thing about Manning. Game. It's crazy because like I last year he was good in the neutral zone because when I when I tracked the uh, like neutral zone defenses defensive and. Defensive entry pr- protection, essentially, basically like breaking up entries in the offensive zone. He was actually the second best defenseman on the team after Ghost in terms of forcing teams to dump the puck in. Like, there was that skill there. His problem was number one, he made too many big mistakes, but number two, he was useless with the puck. Like, he couldn't do anything. He wasn't, wasn't a good passer. He wasn't really useful in the offensive zone. He turned the puck over at the point. And the big jump for him has been offensively. You know, when he gets the puck on his stick, you're, you're feeling okay. And, I mean, not to the point of, like, when Goss's bear has the puck on his stick, but you're not, like, clenching the sides of your chair like you were last year. Like, when's he going to screw up? Like, you're like, okay, Manning's going to probably make a decent play here. And it's such a dramatic improvement from the start of last year through the middle of last year. It's funny. If I had time, and I don't, I'd love to go, I'd love to go back through, like, the last month and a half of last season because maybe he was showing these signs of improvement, but we were all just so, like, oh, yeah, obviously Manning's terrible that we just didn't notice. And now this is really just a carryover from the back half of last year when he was playing with Gudis and putting up pretty darn good numbers. And we're just noticing it now because this is the start of a season and because maybe he's getting a little bit of puck luck in terms of points. I think that that sounds like homework for somebody. I know. What do you need to sleep? No, who needs sleep? Or like work an actual job? I don't, crazy. I don't know what sleep is. <laughs> so, And all this goes along with how I said I think this is a me- mediocre team right now that I expect to be better soon like not i'm not waiting i you know i don't expect them to contend for a cup this year i'm not but i i i see them getting into that top 3 in the division race once some pieces start to come together and it's because you have these on top of the additions they made Provorov and Konechny and Drew leading the team in points the things you expected you have guys like Gudis and Manning showing up yeah being you know performing just better than expected and when you get those extra things is when you actually have a good team when you have that kind of depth and can roll lines the way they hopefully soon will be able to speaking of rolling lines Mm. michael roffle's return is imminent uh when's he expected back charlie i know you've probably told me six times but Uh, no one's really sure just because they haven't been practicing because of the same schedule um but he did practice late last week he skated with, I believe, Cousins and Lawton. So he's healthy enough to skate. He's healthy enough to be to be at least practicing with the non-contact jersey. We're probably going to find out tomorrow. In more ways than one, because number one, we're going to find out um, because they practice for, for Wednesday's game. But number two, we're going to find out because um, they may have to send somebody down tomorrow. Like if, if Delzato is... If Delzato is ready, like they may have to start sending people through waivers in order to bring both like him and Lawton back. So the, the dominoes are going to start to fall tomorrow. I think there's a good chance Raffle plays on Wednesday. I, I don't know for certain, but the original time frame was 10, 7 to 10 days, and we are past 10 days. So like, Rivalry he night, should baby. be back. Making his big comeback for this 
Detroit rivalry. They've been in you know the Eastern Conference for a full two seasons now, right? So that's that's yeah, two. That's that's huge, huge rivalry. Hey, well, they're one of those teams that that beat us in that. That's <laughs> yeah. they're Stanley Cup Finals. You always complain about. It's just yeah. It's just that means it's an eight o'clock start. Rivalry night wow. is really just we got two big markets playing. Yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah, Detroit. They have Hockey Town written at center ice, so they must be rivals with the Flyers because lots of people go to Flyers games too. Are, there, are they in Pizza Hut Arena or what? What is it, Little Caesars? Little Caesars, yeah. I love Little Caesars. Did man. they? They made the move though. <laughs> I don't. They're not in there yet. No, I think no. This is the last. This season is the last season Lewis. at the Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole thing about it. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I can't wait for Raffle to come back. Me neither, because we talk about lineup optimization all the time. What is the optimal lineup? In part of what the hell is Dave Haxtall doing? When Raffle is out and you have to shuffle things the way you do, it's hard to have that you know optimal lineup. So what are we looking at? Because I put mine together and someone was like, don't forget Dale Weiss. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot he was on the team entirely. You also forgot how to pronounce his name right. Is it Weiss? Weiss. I, I'm saying Weiss. Well, that's fine. <laughs> Dale Weiss. Uh, what, is, what is the best possible bottom six? Because I feel like our top six is now a lock that Shen's kind of got, him, got himself going a little bit. He starts slow. He gets there eventually. Um, I would love to not see Weiss. Weiss? Weiss? You have rubbed off on me. Oh, you too. Um, I would love to not see Vandevelde um, and put Belmar back on the fourth line is kind of I'm not mad at any my, of that. My thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, the only the only adjustment I would say is I would rather have Weiss in the lineup than Gordon. Okay. So I'd probably yeah Fair. that that would, that would be the the adjustment I would make. Vandevelde absolutely should not be playing nope. when everyone's healthy. Although I'm, well, I'm convinced that McDonald will be down or at least benched. I am nowhere near as convinced that Chris Vandevelde is ever going to see the inside of a press. No, box. I am one hundred percent convinced that he will play eighty two games this season. He's going to be the captain of the team by the end of the year. <laughs> They're going to strip the C and give it give it the Vandevelde. Like we're we're joking. <laughs> oh no, I'm but dead not serious. Really, no, I'm dead serious. <laughs> He will play every game. They'll have a whole ceremony like they did to rip off yeah. Andros' C and put it on Desjardins. They're going to do that to Giroux with, with Chris Vandevelde. kind of freakish Iron Man streak <laughs> where Vandevelde never <laughs> sits. Uh, it's it's unbelievable that he just, like no matter what, he's in the lineup every night. But and then Cousins was benched this week, wasn't he? Cousins has been benched two times he, this he season. He was benched for After the, scoring um, a goal. Yeah, I don't He was understand. benched for what, the Pittsburgh game? I think he was be- No, it was funny because they benched... McDonald and Cousins for the Pittsburgh game, yeah. and they both scored against Arizona. Now, granted, I totally understand why they benched McDonald because if you have eyes, you could see why they benched McDonald. <laughs> yeah. But it's just funny that the two guys they benched both scored two of the goals they they threw in. And, and I would have thought that Cousins is the kind of guy that you want in for a Pittsburgh game. My guess is, and this was what I said on Twitter when people asked me. My guess was that they brought Gordon in because it's like, oh well, we need defense to stop Pittsburgh. It's like. Sort of, but <laughs> this yeah, worked well. Okay. It worked really well. I think it's pretty clear over the last two seasons under Dave Haxtall, this team plays defense by playing offense. Agreed. They're, they're, like, 100% agree. Like you were talking about earlier, with the, the biggest problem with the forwards on defense is when they weren't forechecking well, when they weren't getting in on the cycle, when they weren't forcing turnovers behind the opposition's net and setting up. That's how this team defends at its best. And... I guess I guess Vandevelde's a good four checker. I don't but know. But he's not. Like I, I guess he <laughs> was. No, I don't know. He, he, he was last year, but that I don't know how much of that was him and how much of that was like White and Belmar and Vandevelde as a trio just were really good at four checking. The problem is they gave it all away because they were a total disaster in the, the defensive zone. They were good four checkers. I don't know how good of a four checker Vandevelde is. I can tell you I think Lubimov is a better four checker than Vandevelde right now. I wanted to bring him up next because he was all over the ice. Uh, he didn't score against Carolina, but he looked awfully scorerish, just in terms scorer-ish. of scorerish, like a like a guy on first base looks runnerish. Yeah, he looked very like he looked scorerish, just in terms of like the puck following him around during his shifts on that uh, in that Car- last Carolina game. Uh, I don't know what everyone was expecting out of him, especially after the you know, Medvedev experiment didn't go well. Another guy we pulled out of Russia, just seeing what we can get out of him as a as a you know cheap band aid kind of player. But I feel like he's looked better every game he's played in. Yeah, is that fair to say? Yeah, and and he's been all over the ice. I, I, he was uh, from what I saw on Saturday everywhere, just creating. Plays as a fourth line guy, I think that's part of the uh, 
part of Hackstall's hesitation to have Belmar and Gordon together is that line then has no chance of scoring. Oh, it's like and, a black hole. Yeah, and Lubomov. That may be a little... Uh, uh, who wants to call him Luby? No, I want to call him Lubby. Lubby. Oh, okay. Lubby. 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 Uh, I think Luby's funny. I like Luby. <laughs> but Lubby's good. I, I, yeah. I'm calling him Lubby, and that's just how it's going to be, and I'm sorry if that's offensive <clears throat> he wasn't, he and, wasn't, or too cutesy for you. He I think it's very cute. He wasn't much of an offensive dynamo uh, during his time in Russia, so that's three guys, if that's the fourth line, who just aren't going to put the puck in the net. I... I'll tell you this, Lubimov so far reminds me a lot of Raffle. I don't think he's, mm. like, I think Raffle's a better scorer, but it's even tough to tell because it's just Lubimov's been in the NHL for seven games. Yeah. He got third, fourth line minutes in the KHL, so you don't even know how much of that you can actually translate over to the NHL, but he does a lot of the same things Raffle does. He wins puck battles, he wins races to pucks, he's constantly pushing the puck forward. Like, you watch him in the neutral zone, and his thought, at every turn is get the puck into the offensive zone. Just forward, forward, forward. There's no, it's a complete north-south game. There's no east-west. And do you necessarily want that guy on your first line? No. But do you want that guy on your fourth line? Yeah. That's the fourth yep. line. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what you want yep. on the fourth line. You want a guy who's constantly pushing the play in the right direction. His his Corsi numbers have been incredible. Like I think his on-ice Corsi is like 60%, which is like first line or good. Now, again, seven games. Right. But when you have guys like Belmar and Vandevelde who don't drive play, are 60% Corsi players with Lubimov, and they're normally like 45, you got to take notice and be like, man, he's he's elevating the play of not that good players, which is damn impressive for a guy they pulled out of the KHL who was getting fourth-line minutes over there. When uh, When's Raffle expect, or Raffle, when's Lawton expected back? I keep forgetting that he's on the team. Me too. <laughs> which means I don't miss him that much. I don't know if he's going to be on the team. Like, I, is he an AHL? Yeah, candidate? like I think they might because he is waiver exempt. So when he comes back, they may just send him right down. And that makes me feel like a little bit bad for him because he's kind of been waiting for his chance chance in the NHL, and he had the full season last year, and he's just never been able to distinguish himself. That's well, I, it's a guy I would love to see get a chance because I do believe I don't think he's going to be a top six forward at any point, but I believe he can play a role, but. I've been kind of hoping they Get would it. trade him for the last two years just Same. because I he just that's, that's doesn't fit here. He doesn't fit here. Like, he never has. There's just not a spot for him. So you might as well get a pick or something. The way I look at it with Lawton right now is that they want... They saw something in him last year that made them think that he could be a left he could be a left wing, or at least a winger probably he's on the left. He's better at wing he's, than he is at center. He looked much better at wing. And with the way the lineup set up right now I don't think he's going to play. So I'd rather him be getting first line left wing minutes in the AHL than be the 14th forward when they're trying to teach him a new position anyway. Like give yeah. him the reps somewhere and if he can go down there with them without having to worry about losing him on waivers like they do have to worry about Cousins. Cousins is not waiver. They do have to worry about Vandevelde, although I think fans would love it if somebody snatched him up. (laughs) No, but but you you know, Haxtell is terrified (laughs) they're going to lose Chris Vandevelde. Do you think Ron would just be sitting there like, if I put Vandevelde on waivers? Then he comes out of the lineup. That's the only way. I just can't convince Dave to sit him. I, I, I believe that there's probably a clause in Hackstall's contract, cannot waive Chris Vandevelde. <laughs> <laughs> cannot waive without permission. Uh, I am a Lawton hater, not only because he blocked me on Twitter, but because... <laughs> he blocked you on Twitter? He blocked me because I said I wanted to help him hide bodies like that's I think he blocked me too which is uh, funny like, I like Lawton I've because he's, him and he blocked me yeah Lawton, Lawton is the subject of my uh, most popular tweet ever so I have a soft spot for him can you save uh, your material for the show <laughs> it was from the playoffs last year we didn't, <laughs> just saying it was, it was the Joker coming you, out you've of referred the to like seven different funny tweets yeah. like maybe save your material for the I, show it just you know I'm I can't control when I'm funny <laughs> Just comes I just, out. I I didn't say it much over the off season because the last time we had seen and still the last time we've seen Lawton on ice, he was getting stretchered off. Yeah, and that was terrifying, and I would never wish that on anybody. But I don't necessarily want him on the team. Maybe Crosby. No, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I don't want to see anybody like stretchered that. off. No, <laughs> he's fine. I, I guess my thought with Lawton though is that, and and I know he this guy has his defenders, but. I'd rather have him 
as fourth line left wing than Belmar. Mm. So if I'm really if okay. I'm really talking about like the optimal lines, your optimal fourth line for me, you know, is probably you know, either him at four C. See, that's the problem though, because if you use him on the fourth line, then you got to use him at center, and he didn't show much at center, so it's tough. Yeah, that just doesn't appear I, I, to be what I, he's yeah, good Yeah, like at. I do think he's one of the six best forwards they have in that possible bottom six rotation. But if you decide you want to be a left winger, I don't think he's one of the two best options at that spot. So it's tough. I, I don't know. I, I I probably would send him down to the AHL, give him reps at left wing, and then inevitably when somebody gets hurt, you call him up. See, I don't even love him on the fourth line because I don't think I, I think he's more of a skilled player. I think he's got a better shot than what he'll be given the opportunity to use. That's not the right word. I I, I agree, but I guess the when I look at a fourth line, like I don't ideally want to use it as a fourth line. Yeah. Sure, I want to yeah. use it yeah. as like a third line B. Okay. And I think that, like, if that's the mentality the Flyers mm. want to use with their, their fourth line, then Lawton has a role. If you want to use the fourth line as, you know, you park him in the defensive zone for six minutes a game and never have them try anything other than, you know, take tough shifts once in a while, then no, he's not a fit. But if you're going to do a 3A, 3B type of situation in your bottom six, then maybe he's an option. And considering the options they have, and it's enough talent to distribute on those bottom two lines... You kind of are looking at a three A and three B when everyone's back, and it could be. And, and one one thing, and this just kind of came to me. One thing could be interesting is if they decide we're going to do. And I don't think they do this because Paxton loves Belmar. But <laughs> if you decide so you're going to put Raffle at three C and Cousins at four C, and then you have you know your your centers are Drew Couturier Raffle. Cousins, then you could put a Lawton as as wing if you want to scratch Belmar, but that would involve them scratching both Belmar and Vandevelde, and that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, the remaining untouchables. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it appears that Jig Voracek is uh, back. Thank God. Uh, so that contract I'm doesn't thinking he's back. I don't that contract. I don't think is uh, weighing him down too much. Yeah, he's so back uh, that I yeah. forgot that he was gone last year. <laughs> it's like it never happened. Five goals, five assists in ten games. Um, just doing some quick math. That's a point a game. Pretty That's good. Pretty good. Pretty pretty, pretty, good. pretty uh, good. And it's not like it's a lot of five point five uh, production. He's he's really. Doing his job. I mean, he's on the quote unquote second line, but if you look at it, no, that's the top line. Uh, he had the he had the goal in the shootout. He had the penalty shot goal. He looks like oh. he's using his strength on the puck to like not only throw off defenders like Yager, but to beat goalies as well. That's great. Uh, he's shooting forty three shots, most in the East. Trails only Brent Burns in the NHL. I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited to have him back because I wasn't sure. I just wasn't sure what he was after the season he had last year. He's clearly healthy, and that that's the number one thing is that he's so strong. He's healthy, which he wasn't the entire second half of last year ever since he had the foot injury. And it had people forget just how good he is. Like that that's what blew me away is when this in this offseason you were hearing people talking about not even just flyers fans but like national fans like oh man that that contract for Voracek it looks bad like one of, one of my friends was talking to a scout a couple weeks before the season he was like yeah Voracek's a 4 million dollar a year player like this is a scout who's employed by teams who mm. thinks Jay Voracek is a 4 million dollar a year player like like what are you guys seeing? This guy's amazing. <laughs> That's even when he was bad last year. He still ends up at .75 points a game, and he seems to do that every other year. He's either at a point a game or .75. He, he averaged he, more points per yeah. game last year than Phil Kessel did. Yeah. And Phil Kessel, I mean, I like Phil Kessel, but like everybody who's acting like Phil Kessel was the greatest winger in hockey last year, and Voracek in a bad year was more efficient scoring-wise than he was. Uh, so it's it's really... It's great to have him back because it is a great combination with Giroux. Uh, just having that kind of skill on both lines, having a guy you can absolutely trust mm-hmm. as a, an effective player every single night the way Giroux is on the first line. Yeah, I love that they are able to effectively split them up. It makes me very happy. I like them much better apart than I do together. It's a lot more fun. I kind of want to split them up on the power play. But that's just me. That, but the problem with that is then you only have Voracek out for 40 seconds. I know. That's yeah, the, I and, and I will mention about the power play, one thing I've loved about this year is that they're 
they're clearly trying to get Voracek more involved in the offensive zone. Because in the back half of last season, like, Ghost seemed to be, like, laser-focused on only passing to Giroux, and they were just leaving that entire right side of the ice useless. And Voracek's just kind of sitting there like, okay, I guess, no, I'm, they I guess, eliminated- I guess, I guess I'm part of this power play, but am I really? <laughs> no, but, you know, with the season he was having, he wasn't finding the back of the net anyway. True, true. But this year they're, like... It looks like a balanced power play. Like, Giroux is still, quote-unquote, the quarterback, but I guarantee you that he's probably touched the puck less on average than he did last year on the power play in the offensive zone Mm -hmm. because they're setting up Voracek. They're giving him time to look at the ice rather than it only being on the left side with Giroux, which has been great because it makes it harder for teams to defend them. And the power play itself has just been... Uh, a bit of a slow start. Last four games, seven goals. They're up to third in the league, uh, almost 28%. Uh, they're humming right now. Uh, um, and this team has to produce on the power play. That's who they are. That's the type of players they have. Wayne Simmons is one of the most effective power play players in the league. He leads the league in power play goals. He leads the league in goals in general right now because he's on one of those hot stretches to start the year. Uh I, I, I'm very enthused with what I'm seeing from all the forwards. What's what, Why are you laughing at me, Steph? I'm laughing because it, in the same sheet, you, you're questioning Braden Shen and how four of his six points have come from the power play, yet praising Wayne Simmons for having four power play goals. Like it's 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 just the dichotomy between these two players that are pretty similar in terms of skill set, but one gets praised for it, the other one gets slapped on the, at his hands. Well, uh, you know. That's who Wayne Simmons is. Okay, well, maybe that's what Braden Shen is, too. I, maybe. I don't know. I, it just makes me laugh, because it's not just you. It's a lot of people. But he, you know, Braden Shen doesn't have six goals. Okay. That's the, he has two. Okay. I, 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 he's just not very effective at five on five. That's all. Okay. <laughs> is that? Anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's it. If you want to keep talking about five on five, we can talk about Giroux. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I think I don't think Giroux is playing as well as his numbers suggest, but I don't like I say that and I'm not criticizing him. I think he's playing very well, but he leads the league in points tied with Connor McDavid and 70 well, percent sounds bad. No, yes. But like 70 percent of his production has been on the power play. I The way I've always looked at it is I don't think it like if you're getting the points, you're getting the points. Granted, yeah, you want to see him maybe score a little bit more at five on five, but he's not been bad at five on five. I think his um, I think his points per sixty at five on five is over two, which is generally like the cutoff point for being a high end first line forward at five on five. Is you should probably be scoring more than two points per sixty minutes. He's doing that. He's also been incredibly effective on the power play. He's also driving play at five on five in terms of like Corsi and, and those advanced metrics. So he's been effective at five on five. Now, if you want to make the case that Voracek is a better five on five player than Giroux, I think that's a fair case to make. But that doesn't mean that Giroux is not an effective player at five on five too. He clearly is. Absolutely. And like I said last week, I think saddling Giroux with and I will praise Wayne Simmons all day, but he and Braden Shen, who are both best on the power play hinders what he can do because, you know, Drew's a playmaker and he doesn't have somebody to bounce it off of. He's kind of got to dump it, let them win the battles, and then get set up. So it's kind of like he's always on the power play. You have to have that kind of offense. Uh, Real quick before we finish up, why is Drew on the ice for so many even strength goals against? Bad luck. Like, truthfully, in my mind, when you're at this point in the year, it's so early that luck can play a role it's a combination of bad luck and the fact that he's a first line forward so he faces off against other first lines who are scoring a lot of goals I don't think he's doing much wrong defensively I know he thinks he's doing much wrong defensively and I don't have a problem with him thinking that because then he can work harder and keep trying to improve but objectively speaking I don't think he's doing much wrong defensively I I'm so tickled that he's worried I'm I'm using air quotes now worried about his plus minus I know I want Charlie kind of maybe the next time he encounters him in the the locker room to maybe just whisper that plus minus is a trash but I think I think Charlie <laughs> said it best a play I, I think you tweeted this yeah a player is going to remember goals yeah he's not he shouldn't be worried about his advanced stats no he's he just shouldn't. going out and doing what he does he drives play because he's really good he's Claude Giroux and that you're on the ice for a goal against you go back to the bench and say shit we allowed a goal yeah 
And that's just the way it goes. And I, I tried to defend plus minus once. I tried to write an article called <laughs> In Defense of Plus Minus, using the most notorious plus minus season ever, Ovechkin's 51 goal minus 35 season. Ah, so I, I get all these numbers because the next year he had 53 goals, same number of assists. He was plus 10. I was like, he must be doing so much better that you must be using him differently. Literally Every number was the same. His usage, he had more defensive zone starts the year he was plus 10. There was no difference in the numbers. And I was like, it's just luck. Yeah. I wanted to defend this stat. And I was like, I can't. I can't. It's it's not entirely luck, but a lot of it is. For forwards, it is. I I think it has no purpose for forwards. And also, plus minus is so weird, too, because like even as a goal-based stat, it's bad. Because you get minuses for empty net goals. Yeah, You get minuses for shorthanded goals. Like, isn't the concept of a plus minus supposed to be how good you are at 5-on-5? Then why are we throwing in stuff that doesn't happen at 5-on-5? It's trash. Mm -hmm. Trash. That's an excellent point. And that it's all the time we have for you this week on BSH Radio. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and thank you to Wildfire Radio. Uh, we have something going on with them. I'll have it explained to me at some point, but uh, Wildfire is pretty awesome. Uh, stay tuned for Yelling About Sports with Bill and Steph. Happy Halloween! This is going to feel real good, all right? Most dope. Everybody, please put a thumb in the air. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.